Hello. Hello. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Want a ragtime gal? <laughs> Sometimes all you need in this world is a ragtime gal. I don't want to talk about Griffin Lena. This is episode 286 of Insert Credit, a weekly talk show where the panelists are video game experts and the buzzer is horrible. I'm Alex Jaffe, and in a large, generic fighting game roster, I'm choosing the guy who randomly copies a different fighter's moveset every match. Mm. I'm Frank Cifaldi, and in a large, whatever, fighting game roster, the thing that Jaffe said, I usually go for the lady that looks like she's going to bounce around like Chun-Li. Nice. I like I like bouncing around uh, until I figure out how to actually play the game. I like being uh, a, a pest. I like being like a fly. A real John Leguizamo. When you, say, when you say bounce around, you just mean like moving fast? Or? Moving fast and like hopefully bouncing off the edge of the screen like she does. Sometimes sometimes people okay. copy that. Got it. Interesting. Is it though? <laughs> it's interesting enough for this part of the show. Why not, mate? I'm Tim Rogers and... In a large uh, fighting game with a large roster full of uh, lots of generic characters, I choose uh, a guy in a leather jacket and sunglasses. Why not? Give me a guy with a leather. That's what I want to be someday. You're going to be K-Prime? Yeah, basically. Nice. Kind of a cocky taunt move. Yeah, basically, uh, I was trying to trying to think of Terry Bogard and Mark of, of the Wolves uh, since he's wearing a leather jacket and jeans. Which is just like a classic outfit. No sunglasses, though. A normal, yeah. There's no sunglasses, yeah. So Terry Bogard with sunglasses. Give him a pair of good That's ones. That's how you improve on perfection. Yeah. Yeah, you could probably use them. Well, I'm Brandon Sheffield, and if I were a fighting game character, it's always hard to repeat the. Uh, You're <laughs> the choosing full a fighting game character from a large generic roster. If I were them. Um, I, I would be, uh, whoever's got a sure you can, no, that's, that's, that's not true. It's kind of true, but it's not necessarily true. I would probably go for like, it, th- this is a rarity, but it's a large group. So it's, it's possible a, uh, speedy grappling character. Um, because there's a lot of grapplers that are big and slow and ponderous, but I like your speedy grapplers like, uh, Ryuko from Asuka 120% or, mm-hmm. uh, Blue Mary is kind of, uh, has has that vibe? So uh, those those kinds of that's what I would that's what I would do. I'd do one of those one of those kinds of people. And also, I'd like a sure you can please. Thank you. <laughs> Why not? We're uh, if we can give Terry Bogard sunglasses, we can give a small grappler a sure you can. Yeah, I need a sure you can. Our guest this week is host and producer of Kind of Funny Games, Blessing Adioye Jr. Hello, uh, I'm Blessing Adioye Jr. And in a large fighting game roster that is generic, I'm choosing a character that has pretty long range that is also annoying to fight against. I'm thinking of a Ramathal Valentine in Guilty Gear Strive, or maybe an Eddie mm. in, in Tekken, or maybe even uh, from Mortal Kombat 10. Um, oh, I forget his name, but he was like he was Scorpion's apprentice character. Um, but I've totally forgotten his name. Scorpion. Uh, oh, what was that? Uh, uh, sorry, I said Blorpian. That's definitely not his name. <laughs> Blorpian. Oh no, Blor- Blorpian is, is actually exactly right. That's exactly okay, good. the character. Good. No, I think it's a uh, Takeda Takahashi is the character I'm thinking of. Okay. Blorpian. That's that's what it sounds like in Mortal Kombat. Blorpian. Yeah. Blorpian. Blorpian. Win. Mortal Kombat rules. Yeah, have we talked about that game on this show? Mortal Kombat. Like, yeah, they look so real. It's got blood. <laughs> the in graphics it. are insane for Mortal Kombat. Those newer Mortal Kombat's are good, man. They are. I played it and they seem to sweat a lot more than I'm used to characters sweating. Yeah? 
Yeah. Is that a joke or, or That's did a Super I miss Nintendo it? Nintendo joke. You know, made, yeah. that, that didn't affect me because <laughs> yeah. I played I played quite a bit of Fight Night Round Three on PS2, and that game has the most sweat out of any video game I think I've ever played. Oh, every punch, it's just buckets of water that are flying yeah. off of these characters, and so <laughs> nothing phases me ever since then. Those dudes sweat for real, you know. Bunch of tough sponges. You know, I mean, it's possible to sweat in real life as well, and then yeah. realize I've never, I've never really seen this realistically represented anywhere in tv and movies uh yeah in video games when you run a marathon you uh or at least when i run a marathon uh i just got soaked with so much sweat and uh, around mile 22 or so the sweat starts to just smell like dog food i don't like that and it's just it's just this horrible disgusting visceral like body experience and it's like you never see this anywhere you know, you can watch sports all the time and never really uh, grasp how gross sweat is. So good on EA. And that's why we need smell o vision I, I think if any if any company is the one to get there first for representing that aspect of sweat, I think it might be PlayStation. Because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of patents in the last few years of mm-hmm. oh, yeah. PlayStation PlayStation controllers reading players like sweat secret or excretion on the on the on the controller. Um and also you have like the dual sense and the sense controllers. Like they're getting there in terms of wanting to to analyze all all five senses that human beings can can produce. It would go from zero to just uh, implemented like a hundred percent. Like if it detects a tiny bit of sweat, your character is just like blasted, soaked in sweat. Just so they can demonstrate that it works correctly. Yeah. Everything is multiplied by 10 in video games uh, versus reality. I think everybody knows this, though. That scene in um, the, the Last of Us remake on PC, uh, where uh, if, you, if you all saw this, where it was indoors, but it just kept... It wasn't raining, but the characters were just getting wetter and wetter as oh, the yeah. conversation was going. It's so funny when video games mess up stuff. I know you don't, I know you don't like talking about that, you, but uh, it is very illustrative of this moment because yeah. uh, if if people were just like- Getting drenched. Getting, like someone gets a little nervous watching this cutscene because, oh no, they're having a tense conversation and then it just drenches the characters. It was pretty, pretty good. This phenomenon is kind of like when I eat a cherry in real life and I only get 10 points. As opposed to the 100. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they multiply it by 10. I guess it's yeah. like that. Yeah. That's, that's right. All right. So that does it for my first question. What's the sweatiest video game? We've resolved that. I'd like to talk about video game reviews because we happen to have somebody who reviews video games on our show for once. What do people expect from a review of a new game? Uh, they expect you to be a paid shill. I suppose is the thing. That's these days. Or at yes. least this is how it used to be before a couple months ago. Minutes after you write the review, you have like twenty-four DMs from strangers. Your DMs are open so you can complain to brands and get apologized to. Number one. That's how all video game reviewers are. Keep the DMs open so the brands can apologize. When you're not seated expeditiously on Delta Airlines, you basically what happens is you get like 24 DMs from people telling you that you paid $15,000 for your Twitter verified checkmark and that you're a paid shill is what happens. That's that's what uh, is expected of a video game review. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. I think you got to get <laughs> you got to tell people what for is the graphics. Are those good? Uh, you got to see say how is the sound. Uh, you got to yes. rate that out of 10. Well, in all in all seriousness, uh, these these days, if you don't talk about all the bugs and all the glitches in your review, you are widely and roundly shouted down by viewers and readers for being some kind of a paid shill. 
Like well, 100, I mean, like you, I see this all over the internet now, and it's it's very weird. So well, I believe, uh, Jeff, you tell me, but I believe this is the debate that maybe has spawned this conversation. Is 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 uh, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I've seen some of that uh, discourse on on what's left of Twitter about this, and and the, the new um, Star Wars game and the the Redfall game, I believe, are the two ones right now that are the new Star Wars Jedi Survivor has a whole bunch of kind of inexcusable performance problems, and this game Redfall is 30 FPS LMAO in 2023. Wait, really? I'm playing the original Dead Rising at 120. Yeah, so. Incredible. But the reviews that filter through to me are are pretty much nothing to do with that it's all like an interesting take like the, here's how this game strikes me as a person from this background or oh, uh, yeah the, like those are the ones that kind of get through to my timeline i, I don't really see all that because well, yeah it, it, it's not a review of a car right yeah it's, it's a review mm-hmm. of, of of whether one it, might be entertained and i think i, I mean my perspective and and i, and I do want to kick this over to the guest as soon as we can is that you can write a positive review of a clunky game mm-hmm. if you had a good time with it and, yeah and this is not a secret this isn't new i wrote one in like 2011 so for me it's it, it comes down to some people just want a lot of order in the world and some people want to be interesting right? yeah <laughs> and, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the tough thing when it comes to video games is that video games is a is a crossover between a lot of different elements. You know, like it's a creative medium. You know, you're going in, you're storytelling, you're doing game design, which is creative. You have you have the art there, which is also creative. It's also a piece of technology and it's a piece of software. And so there's an expectation that it runs well. There's an expectation that it doesn't fall apart, right? And then like you have so many other elements that you can judge in individual ways. And I think the nail was hit on the head in terms of different games or or, or even the same game can speak to different people in different ways like when we did our review of star wars jedi survivor here i'm i'm only halfway through the game and so i didn't give a final review but for where i'm i made it to i gave like a tentative three out of five for what my experience has been which has been not great on the technical side right and even on like the game design side there there are critiques that i have with it with it there but yeah i think the combination of the tech the tech stuff the frames dropping the bugs that i experienced plus you know a game that i i enjoyed quite a bit in terms terms of what the actual content of it uh, uh, is there but also like isn't i wouldn't consider it the greatest thing since sliced bread right for me that fell down on a okay well that's for me a three out of five whereas i look at pokemon scarlet and that's one of my favorite pokemon games but that game ran like garbage on the switch and oh it sure did the experience i had with the content for me outweighed the experience i had with the way it ran and the bugs and so i landed around like a four out of five for that and a lot of people uh disagree and i think there's this interesting expectation of people reviewing games like robots and like a checklist when I don't think mm-hmm. that is the purpose of a lot of reviews. You know, you want to look at who the reviewer is. You want to look at what their uh, tastes are and like where they're coming from and how and like what they say in terms of what they're looking for in their games. Like that's why I appreciate a lot of uh, different reviewers from different outlets and YouTube being a thing because people are about a lot more able to be like, hey, I'm reviewing this game from the perspective of a, a parent with a child, or I'm reviewing this game from the perspective of um, watching it being played by my partner. Or I'm reviewing this game from somebody who likes combat. I'm reviewing this game as a guy in a bathtub. <laughs> exactly. Like you can, <laughs> right? your gimmick can be anything, right? And, you yeah. can, and as long as you're honest about it, that's a, that's a 
legitimate review. Um, and I think there's a there's a disconnect with uh, a lot of people in terms of p- reviewers aren't robots necessarily. Um, and so that's one thing. And then the other thing I think people expect is for your review to agree with everybody else's review, right? Oh, like yeah, if the Metacritic yeah. is a 70, that means that everybody should review this as a 7 out of 10. And if you think that game is a 9 out of 10 and it's a 70 you're on a Metacritic, you're, you're a shill and you are wrong when right. really the reality of it is that, you know, reviews are opinions. It all comes down to what a, mm-hmm. a person, somebody's personal thoughts are about this game that they just played. Yeah, I I, I, I took a long time reviewing a review or uh, reviewing my own review uh, about this, uh, this Cyberpunk 2077 game. I spent a long portion of my review talking about how all of the bugs and glitches and such that I encountered while playing the game likely won't exist when the majority of people who watch this video watch the video and uh, you know as it accumulates more views as time goes on uh, that becomes more and more true mm-hmm. but i still keep getting comments that are like why didn't you talk about uh, the fact that this patch came out yesterday and it's like look at the timestamp first of all <laughs> that's that's the other thing too especially when you're, when we when um talking about the current situation of jedi reviews and redfall reviews um as somebody who was playing jedi survivor during the review period you have that thought of a, as a reviewer of this review is going to be irrelevant in a month uh, in a month yeah. from now if I talk yeah, right. all about the bugs throughout this whole review. And it's that weird balance of I reviewed Cyberpunk 2077 for kind of funny, and I enjoyed the heck out of the content in that game, and I was able yeah. to see the bugs and see the the lack of polish there, even on the PC version. Uh, and in the embargo notes, they mentioned that hey, there is a gigantic day one patch, and so for my you review, just know that is, it's coming, yeah. Yeah, you just know what's coming. And it's like my review is gonna come out on embargo day, right? And like mm-hmm. you have this big patch. Like, what what is the balance here? And for me, I just have to double down and go, all right, like these bugs ex- exist. I'm gonna acknowledge that. I'm gonna warn the audience, and then I'm gonna talk about the actual content of the game. Um, right. But there's no perfect way to handle it. Yeah, the the d- day one patch situation. Like I had to review Xenoblade Chronicles two. And I had to play it in English, right? Because they were releasing the Japanese voices as a day one uh, free DLC. And uh, it was very hard to not to not joke way too much about the, the, the English voices uh, in my video that I ended up making. So day one patches, man. You gotta love it. Yeah, it's a it's a hard one because like reviewing with bugs in mind, it's like how much of the experience of playing the game mm-hmm. is that going to be for a player and well, with yeah. the especially as they get gotten rid of right especially as they get gotten yeah. rid of like no do you do we think about the bugs in Fallout New Vegas uh when Fallout New Vegas comes up or do we think about how good the writing and the in and being in that world is I, I right. think of how I had to spend several days recently uh <laughs> uh getting it watching YouTube videos to figure out <laughs> Which mods oh, to install to yeah. get myself the definitive version of the game? So I okay. I, I have the two definitive more. version will not uh, run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 quite difficult, even on a <laughs> a forty ninety, right? So yeah. it's like a okay. Wait, wait. I, okay, so I had two two little quips here to make. So uh, blessing when you give uh, a Star Wars Jedi Survivor a three out of five, how many commenters reply? So it's six out of ten, then. Like, how many? How many of those do you get regularly? Oh, dude, I do not look at the comments. I look, oh. especially on reviews. Nice. I'm like, I'm not even gonna. You got to sometimes, though. Uh, I, it's, it's see, this is a fun thing to think about, though, isn't it? It's like how many people are out there just multiplying the score by two. <laughs> Oh man! Well, right? it's the thing because like, like I actually don't. I don't like review scores that much. I, like, I hate scores. I hate the idea of a score. 
I hate them, and I, I do it, it because our our it's like it's it's a service to our audience, right? Like I, mm-hmm. the consensus is, and like of course people are gonna disagree one way or another. But review scores helps to promote our content, and it helps boil down what we do. And like a lot of people, I think prefer review score. Yeah, yeah, they do. Prefer they do. review scores. Um, I personally like just talking about things with words, right? Like when yeah, I use yeah. a number to boil down that idea, it's like cool. You guys are gonna miss out on all the things that I'm actually saying about it. But yeah, I do the same yeah, thing. The best video game review scores talk to a person who played the game. Uh, yeah, that you know, and that you like sort of the same stuff. But weirdly enough, like I've given games a three out of five that I'll give a seven out of ten if I was on a ten point <laughs> scale, and it's so arbitrary, right? Like yeah. it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. But I think there's this way you convey a thing, right? Where it's if I was to do the math on all right, seven out of ten. All right, I guess technically that'd be a four out of five, but that doesn't convey how much of a seven I think this thing is. It's, it's so mm-hmm. weird. It's so weird. Yeah. All right, we're way over time. In summary, ten point scales better. Is that what yeah. we're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we should do. Give me, uh, give me a hundred point. No, we scale. should do the letter grades like they did it one up that just confused Metacritic oh, and made things terrible. I think you should do the little <laughs> the little faces from GamePro. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I right. I have the EPS files of those. We can print billboard size uh, GamePro heads if we need to. <laughs> and why wouldn't we? GamePro sleeping we? sleeping face thumbs up. <laughs> sleeping point five. If you're reviewing a video game and it's like your job to review a video game and then you get comments like people yelling at you being like, I kept getting crashes. The game kept crashing for me. And you're like, yeah, me too. Uh, but I just kept restarting it and playing it because it's it's my job to play the game. Right. Little things like that where it's like, yeah, there's bugs all over some of these modern games when they come out, which is why I've kind of decided to only review games that are like 20 or 30 years old. Yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to talk about what it's like to review more modern games. And I think we got there. Here's my next question. Conversation about level design tends to begin with Super Mario Brothers and end with Doom. Okay. Who have been the best level designer since then? Oh. I love this question. You know, you, there there aren't really too many rock star video game level designers right now, but I mean, there's there's plenty of a level design as a as a as an art form has really become much more sublime over the past uh, over yeah. the past fifteen years or so. I believe Gears of War one and uh, mm-hmm. Gears of War two and also Gears of War three. Okay, the first three Gears of War games all have very, very, very good level design, right? The, the a level design that I always talk about is at the end of uh, chapter four of Gears of War, where you, you climb up a staircase to get into your, your father's home or whatever, and you go into the basement lab, and you're down in there, and while you're down in the basement, like enemies start coming up the hill, so you got to go upstairs and fight guys. And because Gears of War is set in a fantasy world, uh, the proportions uh, of architecture don't quite match our expectations for reality, which allows for a much more cartoonishly exaggerated, uh, uh, dynamically interesting level design. I mean, there was just so much good level design that married uh, concepts from platform games from zelda games from uh such and such just all all of that stuff in in gears of war and i think uh, if you play the second gears of war game and look at it as kind of like an arcade zelda experience uh, stuff starts to kind of open up also good level design zelda link between worlds for nintendo 3ds has a good idea of what we think of when we think about like triple A level design, the way uh, stuff is structured to have that X number of exciting moments per, you know, X number of minutes, right? Uh, if, if you would like to become a level designer, uh, you'd like to study level design formally, play the first level of Zelda Link Between Worlds and uh, 
almost every concept is just kind of right there in a popcorn-sized uh, little perfect implementation. Wonderful video game. Thank you. I, I got a, I got a couple answers for this one. Um, both of them are are stealth studios because I feel like the stealth stealth genre is one that has a lot of creative level design because you have to really focus in on mm-hmm. how to make a, a, a an engaging stealth level right oh, in terms absolutely. of here are things to hide in here like the path like the path thing has to be a bit more deliberate with the the NPCs and so are you gonna the say first dishonored? one yeah I was going to say arcane yeah I think Arcane has some masterful level design um, between Dishonored, uh, Prey, Deathloop. But I think Dishonored is probably the most standout in terms of level design specifically. Um, yeah. Dishonored 2, having the Clockwork Mansion um, and the level uh, Crack in the Slab, where that involves time traveling back and forth to get, be in two different states of the of the world and affecting things in each state. I think that is some of the most like creative you can get in level design, and they really lean into how to make each level feel like its own moment and um how to make each level feel like a set piece to some extent um and so i find i find that um studio to be very very good when it comes to level design and then also io interactive um well oh, the yeah. the yeah. modern hitman games hitman's the best yeah. how much depth and how much detail they put into both the visuals but then also just the layouts of the different levels and how many different NPCs are able to fit in the levels and the routines of the NPCs that way so you Hit- can Hitman is is an interesting the level design in Hitman is a a perfect sublime like an alchemical combination of what we in the old school called level design and what we later would call encounter design right yeah and and just kind of like perfectly chemically bonding them that every hitman mission is is just this perfect thing you know so these days they don't really differentiate so much between a level designer and a game designer i mean okay they do but uh you know we we laymen don't so much we just talk about designers uh i'm calling myself a layman for some reason i feel, I feel like every mission of hitman is just a, a game design yeah there's there's enough bounty in each one for just a whole game and that's the thing. It's it's so good that they added an, a new update to Hitman Three recently that turns it into the a world of assassination. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you go to that mode, and they're basically picking random NPCs and are making them the targets. Rules so hard. The routines are so good with the NPC behavior that you can really just pick out anybody and be like, they're a target, and it becomes its own new type of challenge to figure out how to yeah. follow that person and figure out the perfect time to strike. And I think when you can do that in your video game, when you can pick any random NPC and then just put them into this um, this Rolodex of, all right, cool, now they're now you got to kill them with, and, and not get caught. I, I think that's a telltale sign of, okay, you've done a great job actually making this an engaging level with, enga- with engaging AI all throughout. Brandon, before we move on, I want to hear what you had to say. Um, I'm, I'm always going to bat for Yasuhara, level designer of Sonic one three three slash. I was Knuckles. thinking about him too. Yeah, come on, someone who can go from that to Uncharted. Yeah, so he he did that. He did Uncharted. He did uh, Sonic R and Jack X Racing, and uh, those are all really interesting maps. At least, like they're not all perfect, but they they hold your interest, and they got stuff that keeps you moving forward in interesting ways. And also, just having spoken with him many many times, whenever I hear him describe he has like an ethos for it and and uh a way of thinking about everything which is uh unusual and interesting so i like that and then uh another well much i, more... I, I want to add a little bit to yasuhara too because yeah. i've been working with um some of his raw 
level maps from Sonic 2 on paper, and he, including some, you know, not quite finished versions of, of Sonic 2 maps, uh, specifically Metropolis. And I'm pretty sure that those just came from his head and were put on paper and weren't tested at that point. And yeah. he pretty much nails them on paper, which I think is kind of incredible. Yeah, he's got all the encounter design in his head, too. Yeah. Gimmicks and traps and encounters are all just in there. And I think he did that for Uncharted as well, right? Like that was paper design. Yeah. The Uncharted levels. Yeah. That, I don't know. There's something incredible about that to me. Yeah, it's it's neat. And then the other one I wanted to mention is Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, because for me, that does an interesting mesh of, you know, realistic, traversable places and fantasy, which is something what what I like to see in a video game. When, whenever you go like into a, essentially a dungeon, which is probably someone's apartment or whatever japanese apartments are very small but they'll have you like go into a closet and then that closet is this otherworldly space that is swirling around all these common objects that would be in the apartment but also fantastical things and it's like you go through this thing that looks like a jumble but is actually very it's it's pretty much linear it's all very real really it's straightforward but it can fool you when you're looking at it into thinking that many things are possible and that like how could this space exist but really it's straightforward it's just like the combination of the visual effects and the level design are such that they can fool you into feeling like you're in a very different space and to me that's a big success is when i can understand that something is relatively simple but still be fooled into thinking that it's bigger and like a much wider world than it actually is i love that stuff all right uh here's my next question how can a difficult video game puzzle keep players from losing their patience and the resolve to solve it my immediate answer to this is my answer for good adventure game design which is uh always have something else to do Hmm. so a good adventure game sort of has like branching paths in terms of puzzles you can solve. Uh, I think a bad adventure game is a very linear one at a time puzzle solving thing. So, you know, oh, there's a locked door here. I literally can't do anything else except figure out how to unlock this door. To me, that's bad. But it's like, okay, I want to unlock this door. I can't figure it out. I'm going to put that in the back of my head while I go try to work out this other puzzle that I need to solve, uh, I don't know, get across the bridge or whatever. Um, I think there's really something to that because it stops you from ever being frustrated because there's always something else to do. And it also kind of moves that puzzle to a different part of your brain. Like you're putting different cycles on it and, and the, and the solution might just kind of come to you. It's kind of like sleeping on it. So that's my answer. That's interesting. I think that you should put some text on it that says like, hmm, there's like a divot here. It looks like it could fit a gem. And then uh, and then you're like, well, I guess I should find a gem. Well, that, that's that's some Silent Hill stuff now. That's, <laughs> Resident uh, Evil. The, the anti-puzzles of Silent Hill or Resident yeah. Evil, yeah. You just get the thing, that thing that would make no that sense. That tells so you to get, yeah. Remember <laughs> where the thing you uh, just got uh, might be able to might go. Might be supposed to right. go, yeah. Remember the gem-shaped thing that says this yeah. is shaped like a gem for when you find a gem. I was making a joke about it, but I do actually like when puzzles are kind of silly and and don't make real world sense because you know there's there's not gonna be 
a puzzle yeah. for me to open a door in real life. It's like, I, do I have a, a hacksaw or a crowbar? Then that's that's the solution. Um, it makes yeah. it, it like in a video game, it makes more sense for me to be like, okay, I got to rotate this unicorn statue uh, <laughs> to open this. Yeah. I mean, I don't really think of those as puzzles so much as uh, just kind of lock and key busy work. Yeah, they're just a little busy works. It's true. Uh, so as for puzzles, well, first of all, uh, basically every Hitman level is a puzzle that you can solve like 45 million different ways, which is the thing. Uh, and number two, something that nobody actually does, but someday they will. I know this is coming and it's coming within the next five years. Mark my words. There are AAA game designers working on this right now is... If, we, if we're talking about like a, a, a single player action uh, prestige video game, uh, we already have buddy characters in most of these games, right? And we already have buddy characters who yell hints at you whether you want them to or not, right? You see where this yes. is going? Mm-hmm. Uh, we will soon witness the era, the dawn of the buddy character who says, I, I think I know what to do. You want me to do it? <laughs> and then they do it for you. We will witness the dawn of that oh, era. God. Wait, isn't that literally a Nintendo patent? Is it? Yeah, like during the Wii era, they had a That's patent like... for... I mean, not... not. It wasn't actually like an in-game character. It was a patent for like uh, letting the game just tell you how to do it. I know they had the Super Mario mode for what? For like uh, telling you how to solve a puzzle? Yeah, and, and I think even doing it for you. Well, I mean, they uh, they have a mode in the Mario Wii U uh, where if you die enough times, there's a yeah, that. thing you can punch and then... The character just does it for you. That's Luigi mode. Okay, I guess that's different than someone explaining to you what to do. And also, I uh, what with the rise of Twitch.tv as a national pastime and all, and I'm going to keep banging this drum. Uh, there's we're going to see the dawn of the era of the video game that'll just play itself for you, where you make a couple decisions. You want me to take point on this mission? Should we uh, go in the front or the back? Should we go up the stairs or the elevator? Should we uh, climb the drain pipe or the fire escape, right? The gamification of where we drop in boys. Yeah, yeah. It's basically a, a where we drop in boys personality test at the beginning of every encounter. And maybe there's like a one in 10 chance of losing. I want that. I honestly want that in my AAA games. I think it's neat. I don't mind playing a game, uh, but I think that would be uh, the ultimate accessibility feature for people who just really... Uh, uh, possess the uh, they just don't digital really pictures want... time is finally going to come like the uh, the uh, yeah it's coming the video video games are coming back it's yeah happening. I'm telling you man I'm telling you like I, I, I've always talked about Until Dawn on here you know I like Until Dawn you like uh, Supermassive Games plenty of those games The mm-hmm. Quarry anybody play The Quarry uh, that game doesn't exactly play itself but I mean we're getting somewhere and then you know while I'm here I might as well say uh, there should be a, the dawn of the era of the post-release, the sequel to this game just came out. Here's a patch that lets you play the whole game uh, in two hours. A, a greatest hits mode, right? Ooh, I like that. Isn't that an idea? That's cool. They re- Okay, great example. A Jedi Survivor just came out. That Jedi Fallen Order game is, it's too long, right? Good game, too long. What if they just released like a four-hour greatest hits mode? where you get the whole story and you get to fight a couple of encounters. Maybe difficult for that game, now that I think about it, it being a, you know, a challenge nonetheless. Video game developers, AAA developers, get on it. Yeah, I think you could do it. Buddy solves the puzzle mode, where we drop in boys mode, and uh, 
uh, what was the third one? Uh, uh, greatest Hits mode. Greatest Hits yeah, mode. I'm, I'm surprised that there isn't more Buddy Solves the, the Problem stuff. It really should be. Yeah. It's happening soon. Yeah. I I've, I think I, I had that in a, the latest Horizon DLC where there's oh, yeah. like a thing they introduced where you can like create these um, climbing points in mountains uh, by like aiming a, um, I forget what it's called. It's like a trebuchet type thing. Um, but like you shoot it at the mount, side of the mountain and then like your, your, um, AI partner will then climb it and like you just saw the thing but then like that I did it the first time I was like oh that's pretty cool and then the second one she was like hey I'll, I got it I'll do it for you and I was like oh interesting oh man that's good that's good yeah, that's so it's like the the last of us remake uh has uh the last of us part one has like skip puzzle right oh really so it has a skip puzzle mode which is weird because a lot of very uh atmospheric and like dialogues happen while you're scrounging around for ladders and stuff and you, if you skip that you're skipping like really really core story content imo so i feel like that's a prime candidate for buddy solves it for me the i get it button is what oh I... you've been talking about that for years so the, the reason that i want this this button is because i am one of those fools that continues to play the call of duty single player campaigns oh those games i, I play all those too those are good i basically like them as much as one can like that sort of uh hawkish type of a video game but what i don't like is when they're like, okay, you got to go do this thing. Like, go and approach, but don't, you know, don't make too much noise. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? And it turns out there's one path they want me to go down. And any other way that I go, I will get insta-killed by stuff I can't see. And it's yeah, like, if, snipers. if there's only one thing I can do, don't pretend I can do anything else. Just tell me exactly what to do. And it's, a, it's a really weird thing where, like, they're afraid of the uh, the help me out button because of all those, like, videos of... Psycho hater freak weirdos. Uh, yeah, who will, uh, videos of, of, like, their easy motor, where, whatever, where it's like... People who don't want people to have a good time. I don't time. even have to do anything. All these guys can shoot the stuff. And so they're like, oh, well, I guess people don't like that. So I'm going to put them in this field and uh, if they approach from any way but the right path then they get killed <laughs> like i don't know that's not the solution yeah anyway i want them to embrace it but just have difficulty sliders where uh you're you're uh, okay your, your buddies don't help you at all they all get killed i don't know or they tell you exactly what is the one path you can go down and then you can go down it without having to get f f try to figure it out with trial and error all right uh, we're over time i believe it we have a significant number of video game developers who listen to our show so I thought this might be a good opportunity to give them a chance to feature us in their games. Let's all record some all-purpose sample dialogue that they might be able to use to put <laughs> us in as characters. Would you like me to solve this puzzle for you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, stop it! You want me on point for this? Should we go in the front or the back? Should we go up the stairs or use the elevator? They went that way! Should we climb the drain pipe? Or the fire escape. Should we murder this child or help them? Uh, shall we kick in the door or use a shotgun? There you go. I will pet the dog. Whither shall we drop, lads? I was going to try to build up to, to it being something really sinister, uh, but then I stopped. There was going to be a really, really sinister punchline to that. <laughs> you could just do things from, from audio atrocities. I like girls, but now it's about justice. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know those jokes. Now bear my Arctic blast. Yeah. Now bear now my bear Arctic, my Arctic blast, blast is a real classic one. Not enough video games with Arctic blasts in them these days, right? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, this is our opportunity to increase the number of game with Arctic blasts. It's hard to bear the number, the the, the low number of them. How about just like jump, like when you're jumping, just jump, jump. Yeah. And you say I'm jumping every single time you jump. jump. <laughs> now, when you jump, your character should go. 
like that. <laughs> <is what laughs> <he did>. <laughs> My character would go boing, <laughs> boing. <laughs> I, I got two different takes for for a game game over screen. Yeah, let's uh, do it. The first one, game over. All right, and then, then okay. the second one, damn, bro, you just died. Mm. Yeah, damn, bro, get get good. No, get good, I, I think mine is always like a oh, too bad, like that. <laughs> You'll get him next time, champ. <laughs> you poor player. Dude, you fucking suck. Turn off the turn off the damn game, bro. Ready? Go. <laughs> Would you like to try again? <laughs> yeah, it, it should all be uh, like Vincent Price. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Go. <laughs> Let's go. Dude, this, this, is your, this is your eighth time dying in a row. Are you sure you want to keep playing this? <laughs> Man, I love Vincent Price. You could put that in a video game. Yeah, just put Vincent Price in a video game. Vin- Vincent Price is a real uh, redemption arc of a of a Wikipedia read. I don't know if you've ever gone through it. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it starts off with him b- being like, think you know that Hitler guy's got some pretty good ideas. That's oh, where no. I, oh, like uh-huh. that. Okay. But it was before his rise to power, and then he just like completely flips, uh, flips to where he's like investigated by the house on american activities thing and he's he's like a commie and he's like championing civil rights and women's liberation and uh like lgbtq folks and all this Mm. stuff like he he just completely went the other way it's a good example of like he was 20 and someone was radicalizing him in a bad direction but then he met someone else i can't remember who it was who radicalized him in a good direction let me look he at he went that. from the bad kind of un-american to the good kind of un-american exactly my kind of un-american <laughs> you're my kind of un-american that's my yeah. sample dialogue there not bad i'll pay you half its value <laughs> yeah keep going while i find this yeah <laughs> welcome to capital city oh what is uh what does the guy saying bloody wolf when 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 you heal him oh the pain is gone <laughs> okay so he met dorothy parker and lillian hellman in the 30s mm-hmm. and he became so left-wing that he was gray listed under mccarthyism in the 50s for having been a pre-war premature anti-nazi <laughs> And he couldn't find work for a year and uh, uh, had to sign a secret oath with the FBI to save his career. What is gray listing? Not exactly blacklisting. Not exactly. It's it's like soft. It's like a, It's like why uh, my last tweet on Twitter got one like. Oh, you got gray list. <laughs> exactly. Are you sure you're just not doing good enough tweets? It's a battle zone out there. It sure is. Uh, we'll be right back after a quick break. This message is endorsed by the Insert Credit Podcast and not the individual panelists. This is the Insert Credit Quick Break. I'm Alex Jaffe, and this week's episode is sponsored by 100 Gold. 100 Gold is a new experimental video game video magazine produced by Alex Fasciani, co-host and co-founder of the Super Beard Bros Let's Play channel and the Chilluminati podcast, all about the weird and the unexplainable in video games. Come check it out at 100gold.press. That's the number 100, gold.press. This is the first time anyone's hearing about it, by the way. Alex has chosen to roll out the launch of his magazine right here on Insert Credit. That's 100 Gold, a video game, video magazine. Come on over and see 100gold.press. 
go there. If you'd like to advertise on Insert Credit, doing so is both easy and affordable. Just email us at show at insertcredit.com and find out if partnering with our show is right for you. Welcome back to Insert Credit. It's time for us to go to the dirt bag. This is the point in every single episode where we take a question submitted to us by one of our patrons at patreon.com slash insert credit, where you listening right now can give us just a few dollars a month to get access to that form, monthly bonus episodes, and a regular episodes ad-free. This week's question comes from Lloyd Irving, who asked us which of the Capcom 5 games has aged the worst or best. I'm going to modify that and ask us to rank them all from best to worst. Did all five come out? Uh, no, but we're going to rank them all anyway. Uh, <laughs> the, the five games are PNO3, Beautiful Joe, Dead Phoenix, which never came out, uh-huh. Resident yeah. Evil 4, uh-huh. and Killer7. So we're, we're ranking these? Resident Evil 4 is the first. Well, I, I don't know. You know what? So I've been in sort of the video game preservation community slash scene for, I don't know, 25 years, something like That's that. And, and what I've learned is that if something didn't come out, it's the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that I think that means dead, whatever dead Phoenix is, I barely That's remember. That's got to be number one. Probably number one. Yeah. The game they didn't want you to play. <laughs> what about the versions of Resident Evil 4 that didn't come out though? Mm, oh yeah. Pr- yeah. Those are better. Yeah. yeah they, those obviously were, those were purer. I think those are better because Resident Evil 4 is a game that people like. And so if the version that didn't come out I mean, that must be the best because that was the original vision. The right. Pure it's like the original vision. version of a game that's already good. It is very funny to me when people uh, find like an earlier version of something and they're like, so the original real version was this. Mm-hmm. And the one that came out is something else. It's like, mm-hmm. as as a game <laughs> developer, I can tell you, no, that was what that was a bad idea. And so <laughs> right. then it's not in anymore because it was things it didn't change work. for reasons. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've experienced this myself going into like source code and stuff like that. Sometimes things are cut because, oh, they ran out of disk space or something. And it's like yeah. there's an argument for maybe restoring that later. Sure. But for the most part, stuff changes because because uh, making stuff is is iterative. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like you, you, you contract it to spec, right? Like like, oh, it's all in the game design document and whatever's in there. That's what's in the game. Anyway, Resident Evil 4, yeah. for real. I do want to say for those listeners who weren't around at the time, the Capcom 5 were five Capcom games released in the early 2000s exclusively for the GameCube to help bolster like sales for GameCube games. So yeah. Capcom committed to putting out five titles. Four of them came out, and uh, some of them are remembered fondly, others less fondly. It was a big deal because four of them were brand new IPs, right? And yeah. one of them was a massively drastic re-envisioning of uh, an existing IP, which had just about had its wheels fallen off at that point. No offense to it. Yeah, Capcom was wild in those days. And the, yeah. the, when the, back when they were like, we're going to just support the Dreamcast, and then the Dreamcast tanked, and they're like, oh, well, dang. But they actually tried to do that, which is pretty wild yeah. stuff. So I think Resident Evil's got to be the top, not only because of the game that it is, but also because this is probably the one that did do the thing that they stated it would do, which is bolster sales of the GameCube, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. If I personally, uh, if I wanted to uh, to get weird with it, I mean, I wouldn't compete with Resident Evil 4, but uh, PNO3 would be uh, my number two. Because really? it's basically a proto-god hand with a gun, and how can you dislike that? I don't know if I'll ever be able to figure out how to how to play it, though. I think what's weird con- as heck, yeah. what confuses me is that, like, She's moving on a beat, kind of, but it's not the beat that the music is 
playing mm-hmm. and it also isn't a beat that is relevant to the shooting that you're doing so like mm-hmm. i can't uh i can't look at it and understand it and that's that's my big my big challenge there i think my number two would be killer seven but that's uh that's also my number two that's obvious it's yeah. it's got them graphics i would put piano three at number two beautiful joe at number three and killer seven at number four Wow! Well, for those of us who haven't worked at that studio, um. yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Killer Seven's all right. I don't know. I'd put Piano Three at three. I like I like, I like the Silver Case and uh, Flower Sun and Rain more than I like Killer Seven. FSR. Not even, not even making that up. I promise. Well, that's not a pure vision because they're older. Because yeah. the prototype <laughs> Killer Seven. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'd put yeah, Piano Three know, at man. three. Beautiful Joe at four for myself because I it just never jived with me. And Dead Phoenix is, doesn't exist, so it's number five. Yeah, I, I have the exact same list as Brandon. And you'd put Killer Seven at number seven, I'm sure. Seven as well as number two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, seven. Yeah. Okay, I think we. Uh, so that's 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 the list Brandon and I have. Then yeah. we'll want to try to. Blessing, edit do you have your own uh, take on this Capcom? Sadly, no. I, I missed out on the GameCube generation, and so like I can only say that Resident Evil Four. I've only played through Resident Evil Four. Out so of you these. agree that it's number one? Then? Blessing's a young person. I don't know mm-hmm. if you knew that. Yeah, I agree. It's number one. I do love uh, Suda Fifty One's work, and so and I believe Killer Seven is Suda, so I'll put that at number two. I guess it's true. You just expressed the opinion of the typical uh, Killer Seven fan, so. <laughs> yeah, never played it, but uh, I think never he's played cool. it. But I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, remember when Shenmue Three launched the Kickstarter, and uh, <laughs> it was like, ooh, now uh, there were there were people like in all sincerity tweeting, "Oh, I'm so excited to finally play Shenmue One and Two to yeah. get ready for Shenmue Three. It's like, ooh, yeah, that's. Uh, I did not tweet, <laughs> but did say. Uh, Ironically slash unironically, because I knew it was true uh, to myself, uh, can't wait to buy Shenmue 3 and never play it, uh, which has remained true to this day. Shenmue is a series I love to think about, do not want to play. It's like that hard drive article, uh, big Earthbound fan excited to play Earthbound for the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's. Uh, I mean, there are, there are things that you can like without. You can decide you're a fan of a thing before you engage with it, whatever. Yeah. It's, not, it's not weird. It's not weird. Uh, there are many, many entry points for a thing. You can decide you're a Gundam fan because you just think the Gundam looks cool, you know? Like, yeah. no joke. A lot of three-year-old uh, Japanese boys do that. My mom was uh, was at Epcot Center, and she sent me a, a photo, and she's like, who are these little guys? And it, it she had like a like a Gundam and a chibi Gundam next to each other that she had taken a photo of. There uh, you have it. <laughs> she And she was like, they're so cute. So uh, no, I guess my mom likes Gundam. Your mom doesn't know Gundam. No. Yeah, why doesn't your mom know about Gundam? It's <laughs> a good question. You gotta educate. So your my mom. my real Capcom Five is uh, no, I've never. Who cares? I was gonna make a stupid <laughs> joke. I don't care. Okay, I don't care. Uh, I was gonna what? say God Hand Gyakuten Saiban. Then I realized I was gonna call it. I accidentally was going to call it Gyakuten Saiban instead of uh, Phoenix, Phoenix right? Wright. That's one thing. Uh, I don't know if anybody else here has a problem like that, but it's like I just can't call it Phoenix Wright because because it feels I Phoenix played wrong. it as Gyakuten Saiban and I yeah. liked it so much. And by the time Phoenix Wright came out, which was an unbearable number of years later, people should have been playing that game right away. Right? Like uh, uh, it took them too long to decide to go ahead and translate these. Well, things. like three of them were out already. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they 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 translated the first three all at the same time. Though I think the uh, the DS was probably the the good vehicle for getting it to be okay in in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot more experimental stuff was being more widely accepted. But uh, 
I played all three of those uh, squinting at a god darn Game Boy Advance on a floor, sitting on a floor, the paper curtain on the just a big old paper curtain on the window because they didn't, they couldn't afford curtains. I have a scenario for you. Let's hear it. Koei Tecmo wants you to scout the right IP for their next Muso game. Who do you approach? Okay, what's a good Muso? Um, what is a Muso? The Dynasty Warriors games. Oh, got it. Okay. And they do a lot of licensed tie-ins, which is how they recycle the formula. Yeah, there's like Hyrule Warriors. In a nice way, they're like, they're basically like uh, the Japanese Funko Pop, I would say. (laughs) They really are. They're really, there is a Japanese figure brand that sells uh, uh, what look to be uh, superior Funko Pops. We need not name them here. Okay. I'm I'm saying that in in, in, uh, the spiritual sense... They embody premium Japanese engineered Funko Pops, which is they can just take a character. And you know what? I made fun of those games for a while. And, uh, uh, you know, they made a Dragon Quest one. And then uh, I figured it out, everybody. They can be pretty fun if you know what you're doing. The Berserk one was okay, too. Um, yeah, well, not as good as uh, uh, Sammy's uh, Berserk. Uh, well, um, no. <laughs> no. Very different types which of Which is a good one. Okay, good ones. Me. Oh, how about how about uh Smash Brothers Musa? Smash Bros Dynasty Bros. Yeah. Super Dynasty Brothers. Dynasty Bros. Super Smash Dynasty. That would make some money probably. Yeah, I think that would be good cuz cuz you can just keep adding characters to it really easily. I feel like they would make that and then somebody, you know, some some big wig would be surprised that the low sales be like, "What? Why didn't this sell so well?" And it's like, "Okay, oh, Smash Bros is Smash Bros, not yeah, you need more focus. Yeah. Okay, Nintendo Land. I don't know. I I feel like it could be their Fortnite. Oh yeah, keep they, adding characters. Do the Battle Pass. Nintendo's yeah. really should get their their head uh, on about that sort of thing about just getting all their stuff in there, make a big old playground game. You know how when Metal Gear Solid Five came out, everybody loved that game for the most part. People uh-huh. had issues, but for the most part, it was a pretty fantastic title. And then the next title was Metal Gear Survive, and that shifted the yeah. genre, and people oh, were like, what sucked. is this? And that game sucked. I'm, I'm going to go yeah. somewhere you're not expecting. A lot of people have been asking for a follow-up or remake or remaster to Bloodborne. And so what I propose is we give them what they want, but in a way that they don't want it. And we give them Bloodborne Warriors. Yeah. Give them mm. a Bloodborne Muso game, a game that totally disregards everything we love about Bloodborne. Right. I want it to be campy. I want it to be fast-paced. I want it to be... All about the action. Combo counters. I want to be comboing and juggling yeah. werewolves. And... 666 dead werewolves per second. Yeah, yeah. I never yeah. thought about it, but the Muso really is the opposite of the Souls-like. Oh, I uh, you you haven't thought about it, but people who played Neo have, because it's released by Koei Tecmo. And uh, I, you're like, this is the opposite of the other games. They you know make. what's funny? I like as I was thinking of an answer to this question, Woe Long Fallen Dynasty came to mind, and I was oh like, Oh my ah, god, yeah, that actually fits too well. Like, if you could just make that game a Dynasty Warriors game, it, it would make sense. That game is good. Okay, it's not like a masterpiece or anything, but they're they're pushing they're pushing the envelope a little further. I mean, they're getting back toward Ninja Gaiden, right? They're clearly going to make a Ninja Gaiden Souls like right. Right? I think so. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. They're going to do it, and it's going to be incredible, probably, because those Neo games, uh, they're using them as like a playground to test out a couple different ideas. Whoa, long, a couple more different ideas. They're going to bring it all together into one complete package. But anyway, I believe the question concerns uh, concerns Muso games uh, starring wacky characters. Marvel's The Avengers, Muso. Why don't they have that? Yeah. Right? Isn't that what people want? I think probably it is. Pick your real boring uh, Marvel superhero and... Uh, 
Wait, do people want the Avengers? Probably. I mean, ooh, I I do I do Maybe kind of think that the ago. superhero thing yeah. is uh, on the on the slight decline, but. The Dynasty Warriors is quite a hotbed of maybe five years ago yeah. stuff. It so, sure is. Like it, uh, it makes sense. I um, bet a Kingdom Hearts Musa would do really well. The KHM, yeah, I think yeah. we could. I think we yeah, could. I think you could that. just do a Final Fantasy the one. Final in Fantasy general. one is what I was going to say. Yeah, because yeah. you got uh, Team Ninja did. You know, your Stranger of Paradise, which also they're trying. They, uh, they used as a playground to try out some new stuff uh, regarding a Souls and a Musa. It was already halfway. To Amuso, Team Ninja made that Dissidia NT, uh, which was another Final Fantasy quote-unquote fighting game that had gotten so far from even the original Dissidia game's mission statement of being a Final Fantasy fighting game. I think a one-on-one Final Fantasy fighting game would be cool. Could we call a Stranger of Paradise Amusols? Oh, it's a bit of a Amusols, oh, yeah. Mm. It's 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 toward that, yeah. Amusols <laughs> is just a regular action game. Yeah, yeah that's, just, that's, just, that's just like a, a, a Ninja Gaiden. Two for the Xbox. Give me a Mortal Kombat Warriors game. Mortal oh, Kombat yeah. Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Scorpion. The third-person action game where I play a scorpion and I'm just taking just, out. You rip out twenty spines at once. Getting everyone yeah. over here. You just press triangle for a for a fatality, and it's yeah. like it's like. <laughs> but you 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 build up a fatality meter, and then you press a button to do it, and the fatalities are like one second, but really gross. Man, I gotta yeah. say, like, if you could shoot out, like, 50 tethers and bring 50 guys in and then uppercut them all on all their spines, shoot yeah. out, I think, I think you got something. Sub-Zero <laughs> pulls the spines out, okay? Scorpion is the get-over-here guy with the spear. I do uh-huh. like the opposite of doing the exact opposite, and it's you as Scorpion taking down 50 people at a time, and then you pull mm-hmm. out your fatality meter, and it is just 30 seconds of you ripping apart one <laughs> enemy. And like it's the opposite <laughs> of what you want, but it just looks cool, and so you do it anyway. You're just wasting yeah. time on one guy when you have thousands you're, ahead of you. You're really trying to harass our audience here, Blessing. No, this is good. I like this. It would also incredibly <laughs> sell like nothing. Yeah, uh, because oh, like, yeah. that's not what the target audience wants at all. But it's something that like some executive the decision would get made by AI or whatever. And then they'd be like, well, I guess we should do this. So. And then uh, it just kind of flops out there. I played I had the 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 bizarre out of body experience of playing. Do you guys know of this Warriors All Stars game? I don't. Yes. OK, so there's a game called Muso Orochi. For the yeah, PlayStation 2. Muso yeah. Orochi is two worlds combined where on the PlayStation 2 they had Dynasty Warriors, uh, San Goku Muso, and then they couldn't resist the pun of Sen Goku Muso, which so it's three kingdom warriors, and then it's uh, warring states warriors, right? So you have your second century China and you have your 16th century Japan. They the two franchises with real life heroes uh in incredibly anachronistic uh, armor and uniforms uh, fighting basically Final Fantasy uh, hordes. Uh, there was this Musa Orochi, which was like your favorite Three Kingdoms historical figures and your favorite Warring States historical figures are together uh, because of a time time demon or whatever. And uh, then they made a game called Warriors All-Stars, which was like your favorite warriors are together and also the guy from Neo is here. And it's like, that was like basically it, right? Which is like, uh, they had to make a new franchise to account for the guy from Neo being there. Very incredible. That's what Muso. That's the level Muso is on. And uh, none of us, in our wildest, wildest prognostications and improvisations, 
can approximate one-tenth of the level those absolute <laughs> monsters are on. It's yeah, just we cannot not get on their level. It's just not possible. As a future iteration of this question, I want to investigate later which games should become Earth Defense Force likes. Ooh, uh, I yeah. like that. All right, I'm going to earmark that. And maybe, Brandon, if you win this episode, you could make that the first mm-hmm. question I don't of, think I'm going to uh, win, but we'll week. see. Let's find out. In the lightning round, here we go. Uh, we're recording this on May the 4th. Oh, yeah, Star Wars Day. Star Wars Musa was one I thought of saying. So uh. <laughs> I'm bringing back an old segment called The Wrecking Crew, where we imagine a fictional character and try to recommend a video game that they would enjoy. Okay. Uh, this week, we're doing all Star Wars characters. Please, right. no Star Wars games. They get enough of that in their regular <laughs> lives. Okay. Uh, is everyone clear on the premise here? You might have to explain who some of the characters are to me. <laughs> oh, no, that, that's, that, that'll be easy. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. They're all easy. Star Wars characters have almost no nuance, so yes. it, it's easy. <laughs> right. It's part of the fun. Here is your first guy, Han Solo. Oh, I know that guy. Han Solo. He would, he would like a laser suit Larry. Oh, stop uh, it. You know, I was actually going to go um, like Beyond Two Souls or something like that, like a David Cage game. For oh, him. yeah. Something wait, really. What? Wow. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> what, what, is, what is y'all's impression of Han Solo? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's hotter than me, so he sucks. <laughs> uh, that ought to do it. That ought uh, to do it. See, I was gonna go Uncharted. I feel like he would relate a lot to the the vibes. I think uh, right. Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. He's like, oh, that guy looks <laughs> like me. Oh, that is a horrible uh, <laughs> yeah. thing to do to this guy. Oh wait, wait, because wow, I just wow. Yeah, because he's in yet. In another universe, I right. could be this guy. Now, I, I like blessings the best for circling the answer, not being part, exactly on it. Our next guy is C three PO. Chewie, we're home. Um, he, he wants to play. That's a game for C-3PO's. Something with an AI. See, I'm I'm going to Troy Become Human. Mm. Give him a glimpse Mm -hmm. of what what things could be like. To be a real boy. Yeah. At least I just want to see the idea to him. I want to introduce it. Well, yeah, he, he, doesn't, like, he, hey. doesn't have, he doesn't have data complex. He's not trying to be a real boy. You just want you just want to see what happens when he realizes <laughs> that uh, there there's robots out there that that wish they had meat and bones or whatever. I, I'm just trying to envision a Star Wars universe where they do an MLK march, but it's like all droids. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I'd at least give him a near automata if we're going for that angle. Oh, that's, that's actually a great one. No, I think I, I don't think you want to give him anything stressful. I think you want to give him like Tetris or something, just something to relax. Do some Tetris effect. Something yeah. that could bolster his uh, his his self esteem. Yeah, he's exactly. got he's got some self esteem issues, and I think he'd be really good at Tetris effect. That's yeah. a good answer. Uh, Boba Fett. Oh, Boba Fett. I don't know anything about this. He's got jetpack, dude. He's got a jetpack. He's got a jetpack. He's got a helmet. He's got a rocket launcher. Super Mario Sunshine. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you like that guy's just like me. And it, in the new newer Star Wars series, is he's he's sort of a uh, 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 canonically uh, friends with the Sand People. Uh, who have a uh, uh, Maori-like culture, uh, which is you very know, I, I watch that interestingly whole show. portrayed. I don't, I don't remember any of it. It's just oh, yeah? gone. Oh. It's just gone. Wow. I didn't really like it, but I remember all of it, so that's my problem. <laughs> I'm going to say Desert Golf because he can really uh, empathize with being stuck in a sand pit. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, all right. I mean, all Fair right. Enough. You want to answer your own questions, uh, big it, boy? It just <laughs> occurred to me. I thought it was a good answer, okay? Let me play a little bit. Sometimes I want to play, Tim, okay? I think Boba Fett would enjoy playing Hitman because he would like, uh, it, it would teach him 
how uh, uh, there's there's people out there who do like his basic job with really good writing and situations. Oh, <laughs> whereas we never we it. never really get to see Boba Fett do anything uh, that lives up to his clever reputation. So Jaffe, you would know. Is it Powers? Was that the superhero comic where the first issue was like a Superman tie-in who dreams of flying? Um. Oh, Astro City. Astro City. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of in that vein. Like maybe. He actually wants to like be free with his jetpacking as opposed to having to work. Dark Void. Um, so he wants to play Dark maybe Void. Maybe like nights, nights into dreams or Dark Void. Yeah. And nights. That'd be fun. Chewbacca. 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 Chewby. We're Chewbie. home. Punch it, Chewby. Hey, he'd like to play Dog's Life. Punch it, Chewby. <laughs> yeah, a Dog's Life. A dog's Can life we just PS2. say for the record here that Chewby rules, dude? Yeah, he's great. Chewby's hilarious. Chewby would watch Tubi. Chubby on Tubi. You know, did you know that in 1977, Jaffe can back me up on this. There were there were people out there who hated Chewbacca. They were out there. Yeah, there were always Chewbacca haters. They were like they were like this stupid. There's just this stupid dog who makes this dumb noise, and he's supposed to be this human guy's friend. That's so stupid. There were people really upset at that. He was like a Jar Jar, and then those people clearly had never seen Jar Jar Binks, right? Yeah, because right. uh, they were checked uh, out already. They're like, "Oh, you don't like that?" And then George Lucas wrote that down. Oh, people want to, they wanted Chewbacca to speak human words, right? And then uh, he just kind of thought, "What kind of human words would Chewbacca say if he were a fish?" And, uh, <laughs> and that's how we all ended up. Uh, that's how we ended up with Jar Jar, having sure. a lot of uh, mental health crises uh, in the early 2000s. This is all on his Wikipedia entry. <laughs> Uh, Princess Leia. Oh, hey, wait, wait, we need question. to recommend Hang a game on. for Chewbie. Yeah. Yeah. Bloodborne, dude. Because <laughs> there's all those big old hairy things in there. Yeah, but you kill big them. Big old hairy monsters, and you're just slaughtering them. Yeah, I don't think he would like that, though, after all the slaughtering that the Empire did to his people. Well, here's what I'm thinking. So, like, Chewie is a character that people like to tell when they're home. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly, so exactly. I'm thinking the <laughs> Gone home. Gone home. There it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you've gone you... home. <laughs> I'm letting you split the point on that one. Uh, well, Leia. what I was gonna say, and Tim's was better, is uh, Rabbids Go Home, which is the fourth Rabbids game on Wii. But um, yeah, gone home. Rabbids, Rabbids Go Home. Yeah, why with not? Princess Leia. I'm gonna go with uh, 12 minutes. I don't know if you guys know the twist in 12 minutes, but... No, I don't, and I, I have it on my list that I want to play it uh, just okay. to make fun of it. Is it oh, something right. I could make fun of? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It sounds Please. like it's pretty short, too, right? I think you could be a little disgusted by it, is what you could be. I, I definitely said the, spo the spoiler, but you didn't hear it, which is cool. I didn't hear it. Yeah, what the heck? That rules. I yeah. honestly did not hear it. Uh, okay. So All I know, the, ga the game's 12 minutes long, right? That, that's <laughs> that's true. right. Yeah, you can, you can knock it out in about like um, a sixth of an hour. That's ten nice. minutes. Uh, I think she would play um, Cooking Mama so she could make more cinnamon buns for the side of her head. Yeah, good mm. Cinnamon good buns. Jokes. Yeah, I don't know yeah. about that. That's a real 1980 joke. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a real 1979 joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we we got our space balls all lined yeah, it up. Took, it took two years for them to come up with that one. But they, yeah. Then, yeah. Then it hit big. <laughs> Once they cracked it. I mean, Princess Leia is a more... I've seen Obi-Wan on Disney+. Plus. Sure. Frank, do you uh, not remember that one either, or did you just not, not watch it? I, th I also don't remember that one too much. No, I might remember parts of it. There's a little little Leia. Remember I feel that. like she would just kind of play a normal video game. Maybe she played Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. 
Yeah, because yeah, it's like got that. a princess in it. That makes sense. I, yeah, I feel like you just hand her a switch and she's gonna get most of the first party stuff. Yeah. 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 I think she. I think she'd play uh, uh, BOTW. Lando Calrissian. Lando, Lando, we're home. That's the Cloud City guy. Yeah. Living yeah. in the Lando the Lost. He's from Bespin. I'm going Ratchet and Clank. I think he could get some hmm. inspiration for like city design and like you know some of the design of his, of like his home from that game. I can I can, I can see some uh, some stuff he lifts off of like the planets in that game. Get some ideas for cool dialogue from Clank. That's a yeah. joke. But wouldn't he just play like a city builder? Whatever's the good city builder right now. But maybe he doesn't want to do that during his off time. City of Skyline. I think he, we're forgetting Lando is a talented pilot and gambler. So right, yeah. I think he would play a Microsoft Flight Simulator while uh, making sports bets on FanDuel on his phone. <laughs> yeah, that's the ultimate Lando experience. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be making sports bets. Fantasy football is a video game, right? Mm-hmm. In its way, sure. That's what he'd be doing. Do you, do you think he's playing Microsoft Flight Simulator and being like, what is Earth? What is this planet? <laughs> this planet is fucking weird, dude. There's what planet. is an airplane? Sucks. Lando has Han Solo's voice for some <laughs> it's a, it's, It starts with a long time from now in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. A long time from now in a galaxy too far away from me. Planes have to, like, have a runway to take off. They don't just, like, pick up. That's basically the equivalent of us playing a flight simulator that takes place in a planet we've never heard of. But it's, and it's the most boring, like, realistic... Oh, this is a weird flying vehicle in this. Oh, yeah, I guess we're just flying. That's the yeah, kind of yeah. games we need. It's like his version of Jet the Far Shore. No, but the thing is that for him, all of the flight would be worse. It's much harder to fly a plane than it, it is sucks, to fly a yeah. spaceship that just yeah, but that's, takes he up. Would like, he would like that, though, because he never, he never shies away from a challenge. That's true. I was going to say Super Mario World because of the cape, but I like oh, that. Yeah. Yellow <laughs> cape, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darth Vader. Oh, big old DV. DV. Uh, he would he would play Bioshock, but he would kill the children every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To harvest their, harvest the their young mana or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a youngling killer. That god darn guy. He would play Grand Theft Auto, but he would ignore the missions. <laughs> the missions, dude. man. Yeah. Like, oh, this game has a story. Would just he would he would ignore the missions and just have fun. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's what uh, he that's would do for you. Oh, he would play Mass Effect and choose the Renegade oh, option yeah. every time. Yeah, that's, 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 that's cool. He would, he would just, uh, he would just, uh, in like be enthralled with the opportunity to uh, make the, uh, the, like the fake person uh, uh, on the TV screen just mildly uncomfortable uh, in a way that doesn't change the story at all. You know, I think he would enjoy Doom. Oh yeah, yeah, he would love Doom. Because he's a he's a talented pilot, so he does like high speed 3D movement. Right. In addition to exactly. satanic cruelty. I know we're not supposed to put Star Wars games in here, but I think that of all the characters, I think Darth Vader would play a Star Wars game as himself and then get really mad when he lost. Oh yeah. Um, and that game would be Episode One Padres. Or it would be Mortal Kombat 11 with the Darth Vader uh, right. DLC, <laughs> which I don't think I, he, don't... he would. He would crush the controller with the Force <laughs> when he loses. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if like I, if I could give him Wolfenstein, um, like one of the modern Wolfensteins, and like wait for him to realize that he's one of the bad guys. Am like, I the bad? Like, wait, oh man, these Nazis suck. I'm gonna kill all these Nazis, and like he gets halfway through and he's like, man, these there's a lot of similarities here between what I'm doing and what these guys are doing. Yeah, all right. Th- those guys always have a lot of dissonance. They they can. Uh, 
out like outlie themselves from he those would things, play right? Wolfenstein and then he would go back to the Emperor's uh, uh, throne and bring balance to the force wait going back to the earlier uh, dumb joke is there is there a Conan game where yeah, uh, where he could couple, play a couple of them where he could play as himself if you know what I mean uh, where you play Thulsa Doom play as Thulsa there's Doom no, I don't know if there's no playable Thulsa Dooms out there there should be guy's got a good haircut yeah all right. I think I'm going to call it there. Our winner oh, this it? week is Frank. Congratulations, Frank. Frank. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Frank. Uh, it's Frank because he because he didn't remember the plot of Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, that's how you win. <laughs> he, he became like mayor of a thing, right? Yeah. And yeah. Oh no. To... I mean, I'm I'm just messing with you. But yeah, it was it was not the Book of Boba Fett was it was just Mandalorian season two point five. That's all it was. It, it wasn't. It, it's it was a stealth uh, Mandalorian uh, a special after school special basically. But it was more like Mandaborian. He had a pet Rancor that he rode. Right? Like yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. That actually ruled when he rode the Rancor. We're running out of time, so I would like to do recommendations right away. This is the point of the show where if you're working on anything uh-huh. that you'd like to share or if you're just enjoying anything you'd like to share, uh, this is the space to do it. A blessing. Why don't you go first? Oh uh, yeah, if you're in the audience, I'll um, I'll definitely recommend going to YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games and checking out uh, the Blessing Show. Uh, that's the show that I get to produce and host for the channel, where you know it's um, a shorter video essay-ish type show where I tackle a different topic every episode. The last mm-hmm. episode was about black hair in video games and things we can do to um, have that better represented in video. Yeah, that games. was a good one. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a it's an episode I would definitely check uh, recommend anybody check out. Uh, but then also recently we had we had an interview with Phil Spencer from Xbox, uh, the head of oh, Xbox, go up. Um, and I highly recommend uh, you guys check that one out too because it's a very fascinating listen of uh, Phil addressing a lot of what's uh, been happening at Xbox with Redfall uh, and the release of that and the reviews and also the CMA blocking the acquisition of Activision over in the UK and that was of course conducted by the XCast crew here at Kind of Funny. So those are the two pieces of content I would say you should check out over here. You know, I, I like that Phil Spencer because he likes Lost Odyssey. So uh, and he's he's spoken about how he likes Lost Odyssey for the Xbox 360. So that's how I get, he gets my respect because it seems like he's actually played that whole game. So guy rules. Thanks, I got Phil. some recommendations. OK, we just as of today, recording time, put out a Demon School public demo that you can get on Steam. So if you want to see what that game is like, you could go check it out. It'll even by the time you listen to this, it'll still be up for like another week or something like that. So give that a look, check it out, see what you think. It is certainly a game where a lot of parts of it are definitely from my brain, and so um, if people don't like it, it's about all I got. I don't know if I could do any better. So I hope, I hope people like it. Another recommendation I got is I just played through Kudelka. On the PlayStation oh, One, could elked. Love that game. I could elked. Um, I would say that uh, this is a good thing to get on your Mister or emulate because I got the original, the actual game, but I I had to trade like about fifty games for it to get it because it's really expensive now. Anywho, Kudelka, one of those like um, CG background, three D characters kind of games, but it's got a funny, weird vibe. It it really struck me. In the older days where we were having discussions about our video games for kids and stuff, and the argument would be like, no, this isn't for kids, it's for adults. It's got boobs and blood in it and stuff. Boobs and blood. But, Those uh, are the two. Uh... Yeah, B&B. Sequel mm-hmm. to Ghouls and Ghosts, I believe, right? With Kudelka, like, it's, it's really easy to point to this and be like, do you think this is for kids? Because the intro is just like 
operatic singing and occasional sound effects of like birds flying by focused on an unnamed figure riding a horse through a placid countryside and uh, coming across a castle. And then it, it says like some town in Wales, October 31st, 1898. And like that's yeah. that's the whole intro, and there's no that's the only text in it. <laughs> it's like uh, that's what I would point to to be like this. This isn't for kids. They're not trying. They're not. They're not trying to hook in in the children with this uh, ponderous intro. That the rest of the game isn't exactly like that, but it's it's neat to look at and think about because it gave me that thought. Anyway, it's a neat weird, pretty game. fun game. Uh, I didn't really discuss what the game is like, but I liked it. Um, just make sure that you uh, figure out how to level it's up a, your. It's a proto shadow hearts game yeah proto shadow hearts also uh, play the shadow hearts games and also play sokaigi for the playstation one as well if you want to play a couple other weirder lesser talked about or looked at video games that are all somewhat related to uh, kudelka yeah. okay does anyone have any very fast recommendations tim or frank nope i would say uh, uh my recommendation is uh, uh there's a writer's strike happening right now wga yes. anybody else here wga no blessing you wga uh, I am not. Well, uh, if you have the option, uh, I would just recommend that you have a unionized workplace. <laughs> that's what, that, that, that's, what that's a very good recommendation. One of the best we've had. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't talk about this too much, uh, but there, you know, just to look into it. There's plenty of literature out there. Uh, to, the uh, cops are coming for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they're coming. You said unionized, and all of a sudden, yeah. boom, <laughs> they're coming. That's actually a fire engine. I know. I know all the sirens. Uh, I know what. That's, that's because of the fire. Take. <laughs> it's because your recommendation was fire. Like, oh yes. Oh yeah, yeah. They're coming to. They're coming to put me out. I have a less flaming recommendation, but a pretty good one. Uh, I'd like to say if you've enjoyed this episode of Insert Credit or any episode for that matter, please rate and review our show wherever and however you can. It really helps us. You could also support us on patreon.com slash insert credit, where you could become a patron to submit your own questions, listen monthly bonus episodes, and get regular weekly episodes ad-free. You could join our community at forums.insertcredit.com and send all business inquiries to show at insertcredit.com. Or find a video of this episode on YouTube. This episode is edited by Esper Quinn with original music by Kurt Feldman. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. I'm Blessing at AOA Jr. And Chuby, we're home. You know Michael Michael Weib, is that how you say his name? What? The guy who was uh, trying to fight Billy Mitchell for the Donkey Kong? Yes. Oh, Steve Steve Weeby? Yeah, Steve Weeby. Uh, is it Steve? Weeby. I'm sorry. I got his name yeah, wrong. Steve Weeby. God, yeah. imagine having the last name Weeby, Stevie Weeby. <laughs> no wonder he got it to Donkey Kong. I've got Kong. the heebie-jeebies uh, just thinking about <laughs> Stevie Weeby. I think I, I, I get more points for, for going from Michael Weib to Steve Weeby. Yeah, that's why you won the episode, Frank. <laughs> well, so anyway, okay, so you know this guy, Steve Weeby. Yeah. Um, did you know that he wrote a Christian pop album? Why not? No. I did know that, yes. It, do you, well, okay, Frank, do you know what it's called? No, I don't. It's called King of Song. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's pretty good. <laughs> so I had to share that. <laughs> if if that if that comes out physically, I think you need to own it. Me? Yes. Oh no.